0: You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team
1: every day. What is good, Huda Nation and Houdet family? Welcome into a fresh week here at Locked On Saints, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day here every single Monday through Friday, five days a week covering your New Orleans Saints. Today's episode is brought to you by our good friends over at Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKED15 you'll get 15% off of your next order. On today's episode, we'll take a look at some news and notes around the New Orleans Saints to open up. We've got some info on OTAs and what to expect there. We're talking about week one fan attendance as well as some preseason game times finally being announced. Then we'll take a look at the Saints offensive line, three out of five getting recognized by Pro Football Focus as top 10 players at their respective positions, two of which also in the top five. And then we'll wrap up today's show with part two of our conversation with Luke Johnson of the New Orleans Advocate Times-Picking Unit as he discusses Taysom Hill and his visit to Taysom's hometown, as well as why Taysom Hill deserves a little bit more credit within the off-season conversation here. That's all on today's episode of Locked on Saints. And as always, I am your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, Deputy Brand Manager over at CanalStreetChronicles.com and your Tuesday co-host with the National Locked on NFL podcast. So we got all that and a little bit of lanyard for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints, your team every day. And as we begin with today's episode, I want to remind everybody that's listening on the podcast, you can always watch the show over on YouTube now by subscribing to the Locked on Saints YouTube channel. And if you're watching on YouTube and need to take the show on the go, you can always do so by finding Locked on Saints on your favorite podcast provider. Now, I want to start off with OTAs on today's episode. As we go through news and notes getting into the uh getting into a fresh week here with Lockdown Saints. And I want to start off with OTAs because today begins the OTA period and subsequently phase 3 of the NFL offseason. Now, remember the Saints players were one of the groups of players amongst the NFL or across the NFL that ended up opting out of offseason voluntary workouts in person, but a lot of teams and players have come together to sort of find the most conducive way to make this available and safe for players that do want to participate and teams that would like their players to participate as they all get ready for training camp. And it seems that the New Orleans Saints have been able to find a way to do this with their players. As Sean Payton updated during the New Orleans Saints Hall of Fame Golf Classic Open, that 87% of players were expected to be at the facility for OTAs. That means about nine players not attending, but none of which surprises according to the head coach. So this is good news for the New Orleans Saints and their players that they were able to figure out a way to make all of this happen. So the focus right now, which remember that OTAs, you can do seven on sevens, you can do 11 on 11s. They're all no contact, but there is a little bit of speed there. There are some uh, some injuries that pop up during those times. It looks like part of the negotiation or part of the sort of arrangement here is that the team is only really focused on conditioning and weights right now which probably makes these players feel a lot safer who are trying to make sure that they preserve their bodies getting into training camp here in the next couple of months. So you don't want to expect really any of the big highlights or anything like that that might sometimes come from OTAs, the nice catches, 11 on 11 drills things like that because you might not get them but when it comes down to what these OTAs look like, at least the team is working together. Now, after OTAs, we get into the mandatory mini camp, which you can expect players to be a part of, and then of course, training camp once we get into July. But as we get into August, then all of a sudden the conversation begins to shift to actual be to actually being under the lights and actual game time. And that's gonna open with the New Orleans Saints traveling to the Baltimore Ravens. And we actually have times now. For two out of what will be three preseason games. Remember, only three preseason games this year because there are 17 regular season games in the or, or after that exhibition season. So in the exhibition season, they'll open up in Baltimore against the Ravens at 6 p.m. Central Time on August 14th. Then the next game will be back at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's going to be at 7 p.m. on August 23rd. No news yet on the time or date of preseason game three which is going to be against the, Adla- excuse me, the Arizona Cardinals, the other bird. Uh, so when it comes down to it, those are the days you can expect to see the Saints in action for the preseason. This preseason, of course, being very important for the New Orleans Saints is there are several position battles to look at, even down to punter. You can look at quarterback one and quarterback three with Ian Book and Travis Simeon. You can look at the linebacker position, the cornerback position into your defensive line. So many opportunities for a lot of players and also, the players that may not even be fighting for a top spot in the depth chart, just fighting for a spot on the 53-man roster, they get their opportunity this year, unlike last year where they had to cut down from 50 from 90 to 53 across the NFL without ever seeing anyone in full speed, full pads, helmet action during the uh, preseason, as there was no preseason last year thanks to COVID. And finally, the last piece of news that I want to make sure we discuss before we move on with today's episode, Dennis Lauscher, the New Orleans Saints president updated on an interview about the new orleans saints expectation for fan attendance week one as the saints open up the season hosting the green bay packers quote i 100 expect full attendance in regards to home games at the superdome that is fantastic news for new orleans saints fans and and the city of new orleans that's great news for the superdome that's great news for the city as a whole and of course great news for the hudat nation all around the world who want to go and cheer on their team. 70,000 plus in attendance for the first time since the 2019 playoff exit that came with the Saints playing against the Minnesota Vikings, unfortunately. But more importantly, this is great news for the New Orleans Saints and New Orleans Saints fans who want to root on their team in the Superdome to open the 2021 NFL season. So coming up next, We're going to talk about the Saints offensive line, three of the five players noted as within the top 10, thanks to pro football focus in their respective positions. We'll talk about those three and what kept the other two out of contention, even though 32 players were ranked at every single position. So we'll talk about that. And of course, we've got Luke Johnson coming up to talk a little Taysom Hill, as well as we continue on with today's episode of Locked On Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Credit Karma, who are introducing the Credit Karma money checking account. This is pretty cool. So you open up a checking account with Credit Karma, and you end up getting a debit card that gives you reimbursements, or you can win cash reimbursements as you spend. So basically, you pay with your debit card, and you'll be notified if you win on the spot. And Then you're going to get instant karma cash added back to your spend account. This is an FDIC-insured spend account that you can open up for free. There's no minimum balance requirement, no overdraft fees, and it's free withdrawals with a network of over 50,000 ATMs at your disposal. Credit Karma money progress starts here and right now. Visit creditkarma.com slash winmoney to open up your free account and start winning Instant Karma. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning Instant Karma today. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma, sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVP Bank Incorporated member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. right family continuing on with today's episode of locked on saints want to talk a little bit about the new orleans saints offensive line which has consistently been one of the better offensive lines in the nfl although they had a little bit of struggle in 2020 even ryan Ramchek took a bit of a step back eric mccoy kind of dropped off a little bit but nothing too concerning right just your usual sort of hey we're playing a season without any type of preparation type of drop off which you saw across offensive lines around the nfl so i want to talk a little bit about where three of the five Saints offensive linemen ranked on Pro Football Focus's positional rankings that they sent out today. Now, they sent these out regarding offensive tackle, which includes both left tackle and right tackle, offensive guard, of course, including left guard and right guard, and the center position right in the middle of it all. So let's start off in the tackle position because this is where the Saints hit big. Ryan Ramchek and Teron Armstead both ranked Amongst 32 tackles across the NFL, both three and four respectively, Ryan Ramchek at number three, Teron Armstead at number four. Ramchek was also graded as the second highest tackle since 2006 behind only the legend himself, Joe Thomas, and he's considered to be the most valuable NFL offensive tackle at the moment. Armstead, who ranked sixth most valuable as a tackle over the last seven years, and For the last six years, he's also put up top 10 pass blocking grades as well. So the bookends for the New Orleans Saints continue to hit high marks here, ranked three and four, both of which within the top five and Ryan Ramchick taking his rightful place in the top three. Now, Ryan Ramchick making these types of rankings, these types of lists and getting these types of uh, laurels really to hang his play on. Uh, during a rookie, or excuse me, well, during the expiration, right, the final year of his rookie deal. He's in a contract year here, and the Saints, I think, would still like to get him extended before the season begins. Ian Rappaport did mention that back in March, so we'll see how quickly they're able to progress with that before training camp begins or once training camp begins in a couple of months. Now, let's take a look at the third offensive lineman for the New Orleans Saints that ranked on one of these lists. It was Eric McCoy, who ranked as the number eight center in the NFL out of 32 fourth ranked center in the league as a rookie back in 2019 and just outside the top 10 in 2020. So he falls at number eight here uh, heading into the 2021 NFL season. Now that, of course, is fantastic news for Eric McCoy as he's only going into his third season in the NFL. And it will be interesting to see if Eric McCoy ends up staying at center or if the Saints try to move Cesar Ruiz to his natural position at center and then bounce Eric McCoy out to right guard but he's playing so well at this position there's a really really good argument to be made here especially after investing a year in Cesar Ruiz at the right guard position to just keeping things as they are and maintaining the stalwart of your offensive line at the center position in Eric McCoy now Cesar Ruiz you'll notice his name not present on the offensive guard list same thing with Andres Pete neither of them listed within the top 32 offensive guards around the NFL And here is why. There should be no surprise, really, when it comes to Cesar Ruiz, right? It was his rookie season coming in, no offensive, excuse me, no training camp, no real way to get ready for a position change. But at the same time, he struggled. Let's just be honest. He struggled in his regular season here and in his rookie season. Ruiz ranked 81st overall in PFF's overall offensive grade. He ranked 59th in their run blocking grade and 105th outside the top 100 as a pass blocker, allowed the 24th most pressures in 2020. So again, he struggled. Now, as for Andrews Pete, the left guard and somebody that New Orleans Saints fans were probably very pleased to not see on the top 32 offensive guards list, ended up 62nd when it came to offensive grade in 2020. And he was also 62nd in run blocking, 64th in pass blocking, 35th Most pressures allowed. Now Ruiz was not credited with a sack in 2020 by Pro Football Focus but Andrews Pete was credited with four, good for 11th most in the NFL, just outside the top 10 most when it came to sacks allowed. So for the New Orleans Saints, the good news is that they have a very, very good offensive line. They're one of only two teams along with the uh, Cleveland Browns to have three players within the top 10 at all three of these lists. The Cleveland Browns had two guards and a center, J.C. Treader, who's of course also the NFLPA associate, NFLPA association, the NFL Players Association, uh, president. But the New Orleans Saints had two tackles and one center, so just two teams out there with three players within the top ten on these lists. The New Orleans Saints should feel very good going into the 2021 NFL season, expecting hopefully a big step up in progression for Cesar Ruiz, wherever it is that they have him play. But I'm actually starting to warm up to the idea of him staying at right guard, even though I've been pretty adamant about him moving to center. But just seeing how good Eric McCoy has continued to perform, it it, it makes a lot more sense to just Keep one of your five positions there, uh, the best amongst the best in the NFL, as opposed to taking a risk at two spots along the interior. We'll see how it all pans out. And either way, you've got a fresh quarterback behind center, whether it's going to be Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston. We'll be talking about that a little bit next here with Luke Johnson of the New Orleans Advocate Times picking you in the quarterback situation, but specifically talking a bit more about Taysom Hill. I admit we give a lot of airtime to Jameis Winston on this show, as well as really across media altogether. So let's talk a little bit more about Taysom. Uh, Luke did a great job and a great piece back in November about visiting Taysom Hill's hometown and what he learned about his upbringing. And we'll talk a little bit more about why Taysom Hill deserves a little bit more credit in this off-season conversation. As we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by our good friends over at BuiltBar.com, the best-tasting protein bars ever made. And I'm not even kidding. These are the best-tasting protein bars ever, ever, ever. And the best thing about them is that they're not only delicious, but they're healthy too. So let's talk a little bit about some of the flavors here. You've got nine delicious flavors, plus a rotating cast of limited edition flavors that you can find on the website all the time. Coconut, coconut, almond, cherry, raspberry, mint, brownie, peanut butter, brownie, and a couple of others as well, including salted caramel, which I think is absolutely delicious. And each of these flavors is covered in 100% chocolate. Now, when you hear that, you probably think, oh, okay, it's just another protein bar that's got like 10 grams of protein, but it's got a ton of sugar. And that's just simply not the case. When it comes to these built bars, for instance, you can find most of these bars with 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories and four grams of sugar as well as four grams of net carbs. And even if you go the next step up to something with 18 grams of protein, you're still looking at five grams of sugar and five grams of net carbs. So these are really honestly, truly not only the best tasting protein bars on the market, but simply the best protein bars on the market, no questions asked. So if you want to try them yourself, head over to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, use the numerals, and you'll get 15% off of your next order. Whether it's your first or your next, that's code LOCKED15 at BuiltBar.com. All right, y'all, thank you very much once again for being here for today's episode of Locked On Saints. Now we're going to get into part two of our conversation with Luke Johnson from the New Orleans Advocate Times-Picayune as we dive in a little bit on Taysom Hill, his story, and this offseason. The story of Taysom Hill is one that's still being written as well, and you did a really, really phenomenal piece. It was uh, in November last year, a couple of starts into Taysom Hill's run, where you went and visited his hometown for three days and then wrote about his upbringing what did you learn more about taysom Hill being in the midst of where it all started
0: yeah it, yeah, that was uh first of all like awesome for my editors to agree to to do that in the middle of like a pandemic year you know uh um, yeah
1: yeah how did that that's the that's actually a question I should ask you is how did this all come about did you just did you bring this to them
0: yeah, yeah, so it was actually that was before his first start um uh-huh so uh he or no, I'm sorry. It was right after his first start. So mm-hmm. he started against the Falcons. Um, and then uh, they were playing the Denver Broncos. And I was just like, okay, well, um, Denver is a short drive. Well, short <laughs> in, in comparison to where it would be from uh, driving from New Orleans. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> uh, it's, it's like eight hours. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, well, if we—if we, if I had just changed my flight to fly up a little bit earlier, Mm -hmm. I can drive out there and try to talk to a bunch of people who he knows and what it means for somebody to come from this very, very small community in in Idaho, really in Mm -hmm. the middle of nowhere um, to then be on this huge stage as a starting quarterback. Like, what does that mean for that place? Um, And they were like, yeah, go for it. So I went for it. It was awesome. Um, (laughs) it was like one of the most beautiful drives I've ever done in my life, uh, oh, sure. going yeah. to, to Idaho. And, um, yeah, what I, what I learned was, uh, yeah, his story kind of resonated with me. Cause I, cause I, I grew up in a, a very small town, uh, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's most of Wisconsin, right? It's just like communities of 3000, sure. you know, whatever. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, it, it means something for for me whenever I see somebody from my community go on to succeed, and, it, and it's not even like on this huge level, like uh, like an NFL starting quarterback, right? Right. Right. Um, so I, I could I could imagine what it meant for people there, and it meant a lot. Uh, and it wasn't like his his image and likeness was all over the town, but uh, you say Taysom Hill, and everybody has something to say about it. Sure. Um, and they all had memories of it and you know some of it was you know it it was it was really interesting just seeing about uh, this guy who was so good so early so young um yeah it it brought out a lot of people who were just these huge Taysom hill fans from the time he's like a freshman in high school to people who couldn't stand him because he was so good and and people were openly talking about that right and it was uh just it's a really interesting dynamic and i think it creates a lot of uh it creates a certain thing in a person. And I think for Taysom, um, you know, that created some grit for him. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. And that I think that's a, a big part of the reason why you see a guy who had four season-ending injuries in college uh, end up yeah. being a successful player in the NFL, sticking out, even though the odds were very long against him.
1: Yeah. Now here he is challenging for a starting role and what has been one of the most coveted offensive systems (laughs) over the past few, you know, I would say since, since Sean Payton and Drew Brees, you know, started everything up in 2006 or restarted everything up in 2006. I mean, what an incredible journey for, you know, a young guy out of a small town like that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And look,
0: I know, uh, I know Taysom uh, may have his, his limitations compared to like Drew Brees and everything like that, but, there is just a huge part of me that that is just dying to see what what a Sean Payton offense would look like with a quarterback like that. Yeah, um, yeah. I I don't. I I think people are are you know when they they like to make jokes about Taysom Hill and you know how you know he's not a quarterback or whatever. It's just right. like oh well, he's not Drew Brees, but like uh, but he is an incredible football
1: player. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and,
0: and if you, and if you just like, if you give a, give a guy like that an opportunity to, uh, to do what he does best and not try to run somebody else's offense, like last year, he was very much running the the offense that they installed for Drew Brees with a couple of packages here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm really excited to see what that looks like. I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's not good, uh, but maybe it's, Incredibly exciting and fun to watch, and, yeah. uh, and 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 can win football games. So I, I mean, I, yeah, I think people are too quick to write off Taysom Hill. I think he's, uh, I think he's he's different, but he's he's really really interesting as a football player.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I talk a little bit about this quarterback battle all the time. I mean, obviously, it's it's huge for the for for this cycle and for the fans and everybody that wants to hear about it. And I often refer to Jameis Winston as kind of the front runner at the moment based on the fact that he's got five years of starting NFL experience versus just a handful of games. But some of the things that I think Taysom Hill has the ability to show and learn here with a system that's built around him, there's no reason to fully count him out at this time, regardless of who you feel like is in the front at the moment. I know a lot of folks talk about the lack of ability to utilize, or not even lack of ability, but the lack of utilization of of, uh, Alvin Kamara in the four games that he started in 2020. But I'm also very curious about how much of that adjustment happens when you build a system around him and you give him his rules, you give him his 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 playthrough, you give him his progressions in a system that's built for him as opposed to a system that he's just trying to, to, to squeeze into. And I imagine that utilization of all of the weapons becomes a part of the evaluation process when it comes to selecting your quarterback in the first place. And so I'm very, very intrigued and very interested to see what it is that we learn about Taysom Hill during this offseason with this competition here ready for him.
0: Yeah, I am too. Uh, and, and for what it's worth, I, I do mm-hmm. think, like if if you were asking me right now who I think the starting quarterback is, I, I think I'm going to say Jameis Winston, 9-10 sure. out of 10, yeah. right? Um, but, you know, and kind of going back to what we were just saying, um, if, if Taysom Hill is going to be the guy, like, let's just consider this scenario, mm-hmm. uh, it, they're not going to be running the exact same thing they were last year when he was in there. Right. Uh, it's going to be more tailored toward toward his skill set and then you've also got to consider that those four games he started last year one of them you can just throw out the game yeah. was just a, a travesty right <laughs> yeah, absolutely um, so you can throw that one out um and i think really you're looking at the first three starts of a guy's career uh right. and and the amount of weight that people have placed on that is like surefire evidence that this guy can't do it is just so it's it's astounding to me because it's it's like you don't ever do the same thing for other guys making their first three starts of their career. Sure. Like I I understand that he's been in the system for a while and he's supposed to be a little bit more polished. And I thought he was like for for big stretches of those games. I thought there was there was some really encouraging things that he did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, they're still his first three starts. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> like, I, I, like you should you should give the guy a little bit more a little bit more rope to work with here and and you you should understand that like at some point um he's not just going to continue to ignore uh one of the NFL's best pass catching running backs. Right. They're going to work that in there. Yep. Okay? Yep. And uh I you know, I I just I just refuse to believe that that's that that's like his ceiling and that's the best he'll ever be mm-hmm. uh and I and I think that um I think that Yes, there's there's also the uh, the argument to be made that like with, with more film against him there there's uh, you know you can prepare for him better you sure. can give him more more looks that'll confuse him but I also think that um, with more time on the field playing quarterback uh, he will be a much better player yeah so yeah you know, I just I I just hate I hate seeing that argument uh, against Taysom Hill um, and uh, and you know a lot of the armchair quarterbacking that goes with it it just I, I think he's he's a better player than people give him credit
1: for it. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think the Saints are too worried about, uh, you know, film getting out there and them, you know, not being able to evolve their system around it, considering Sean Payton was on Twitter just last offseason sharing snapshots (laughs) of his playbook, right? (laughs) (laughs) Come
0: on, keep doing more of that, Sean. I I I know, right?
1: (laughs) For real, I completely agree. All right, y'all. One more big thank you to Luke Johnson at By Luke Johnson on Twitter. Make sure you throw him a follow for his incredible work. You'll hear more from him throughout this week, but want to remind you to go and check out the Locked On Today podcast next because who would have thought that the biggest loser of the PGA Championship would have been Father Time himself. So go and check out Locked On Today talking a bit about the Knicks and Phil Mickelson and his big win over the weekend. Meanwhile, here at Locked on Saints, we'll be back with you tomorrow for Twitter Tuesday and continuing on with our conversation with Luke Johnson, taking a look at the rookie class up next as we continue on throughout this week of Locked on Saints. And as always, I thank you very much for watching, for subscribing, for liking, for listening, sharing everything that you do to help grow this family. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. You can follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them and trust you, that nation. I'll
0: holler at you.